phenomenal, extraordinary, absolutely amazing, astounding, inexplicable. What could be so exciting that you and I would think about it like that? What would be that we would be talking about? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again. Do you know that we have the certainty, the assurance of the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? That He's coming one of these days to take those of us who are His to be with Him forever and ever. That we will never again be separated from His presence. We'll never in any way be dealt with all the things that are there. Jesus Christ is coming again. Now, I don't know when, and no one else does. The Bible tells us that only the Father knows. But it's important because in the New Testament, out of 210 chapters that are written in the New Testament, 318 times the return of Christ is referred to. That's a lot of times. It must be important to God that you and I understand, believe, and accept the reality that Jesus Christ is coming again, that he's going to return as he said he would in being a part of that time. I'm going to not read all 318 verses this morning about that time as we look at it, but I would like to mention three that, are, that deal with that time as we look at it. I'm going to look in John chapter 14 in verses 1 through 3, in Acts chapter 1 verse 11, and then in Revelation chapter 1 verse 7. And it'll be that, that verse in that Revelation that I want to focus on mainly for the message this morning. But I'd invite you to stand with me as we allow these words to be spoken to us and just hear the God's word to us as we think about this. You're familiar with the passage in John 14 as Jesus had his disciples gathered with him there in the upper room and he spoke to them by saying, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you for myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And then in the book of Acts, chapter 1, in verse 11, you'll remember as Jesus ascended to the Father and the disciples were left there and they were still watching that amazing event and what they had seen. And the Bible says in verse 11, they also said, speaking of the angels, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into the heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. And then in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7, the Bible says this as we look at it and, and understand what he's talking about together in these great words that he has for us as soon as I can find my verse here. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it be. So may it be. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, as we have gathered together in the joy of being able to be with one another as the family of God, we've had the opportunity and the privilege to, to look at your word together in Bible study and, and just to rejoice in fellowship and, and, and learning together what your word speaks to us about and how it teaches us to live our lives. And now we've had the wonderful privilege to celebrate you in song and, 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 and communion and, and just the fellowship of, of God's people gathered together as we here in your house, among your people are able to just realize what it means to have the joy of the Lord in our hearts and what a great day that it can be if we just look to you in all things. Father, I thank you today that you are coming again. I thank you today that we have that confidence that as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ that one day, even as you said, you will come again. I know there's all kinds of speculation and I know there's all kinds of doubts, but God, we know because of your word, because of the certainty of what you have already illustrated to us that what you have said is true 
and that there's a day coming when you will be back for your church, for your bride, for your people, that you'll come back in all glory, and every eye will see that. And Father, as we talk about that, or as I talk about that this morning, I just pray that you would encourage our hearts, that you'd strengthen our hearts, that you'd challenge us to, to live in the certainty of that which is ours in Christ Jesus. And I pray that in his name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, as we think about this and we look at this, as I said, I want to focus mainly on that one verse in in Revelation this morning. We could go, or I could go for a long time about the different things that are going on here and what we look at and see, but I want to look at that. And as we look at that verse in in Revelation 1 and 7, you'll remember as I read it a moment ago and as you looked at it, the first thing that comes out of it is, is John says, Behold! And it's a word that he's saying in order to get everyone's attention. He's, he's writing that. He's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of the living God is, is being told to get everyone's attention, to make everyone pay attention to what he's saying, to bring them to an alertness. You know, it's so easy to get dull of hearing. We've talked about that a little bit in other times. It's easy not to pay attention to what's going on and what's being a part of it. And John doesn't want that to happen. He wants to make sure he's got everyone's attention. He wants to make sure that everyone who reads this book, everyone who reads this letter that God has given him, everyone that understands this revelation that is being brought to us through John, that we get a hold of it, that we think about it, that we realize that God has something to say to us. God wants to speak to us. God wants us to grab a hold of this truth and and let it be a part of us. John is zealous about what he's about to say. He he believes every word. He's not just simply an observer sitting on the sidelines and wondering about what's going on and kind of seeing it nonchalantly as though it might happen or it might not happen or I believe it or I don't believe it. No, he is convinced of the reality that Jesus Christ is coming. And so he says, Behold! He is coming. Christ is coming. And he wants us to know that, understand that, and believe that as you and I look at that and realize the truth that we have a Savior who came once as he promised he would. He died upon the cross, gave himself fully and completely us, rose from the dead, and as he rose from the dead and then ascended to the Father, he had already made a promise that even as I came the first time, I will come again. And when I come again, I will take all mine and they will be with me forever and being a part of that time. He is coming. We need to understand that and look at that. You know, I know there are those people who, like even in the New Testament, the Bible talks about those who kept saying, well, you know, he's been saying he's going to come, he's been saying he's going to come, he's been saying he's going to come. The church has been preaching that, talking about that for years and years. It's been almost 2,000 years and he still hasn't come. So I don't really think it's important. I don't really think it matters. Well, the Bible says even in the days of Noah, that was the same attitude when God gave a warning to the people of the world that, they, that he was going to bring a flood, that they needed to repent, they needed to get right with God and be a part of it, but they went on with their own lives, they went on partying, they went on living as though their life was more important than what God had said and didn't matter what God had said. And then the Bible says suddenly, as God had predicted and said that it would, a flood came and judgment came upon the old earth. In that same manner, Jesus says throughout the New Testament, will be the coming of man. People will be doing their own thing, living their own lives, ignoring the truths that I have said to them, and then I will come. In a suddenness, in a quickness, and being a part of it, he is coming. And being a part of that time as we look at it and as we see. And we need to understand that. I don't understand the timing of God. I I admit that. I don't know why God does what he does, when he does it, and why he doesn't do it when I want him to do it. He's never explained that to me. But he does what he does in his timing. And it's always perfect. It's always right. And we, we understand that. And so even as we look forward to it, it, it has been that kind of time, like you said, it's been a long time. And one of the reasons it's been such a long time, the scripture says, is because God so loves the world that he gave his only son that no one would perish. 
His desire is that everyone would come to know Jesus Christ. Now, that's not happened in the past. It's not happening now, and it's not going to happen to the end of time. People will continually to reject Christ as Savior, to reject the truth of what God has said about Jesus Christ. And there's going to be a moment, there's going to be a time when he will finally say, he's coming. And when he comes, it will, he will come, and the Bible says it will be suddenly, it will be quickly, he is coming. And John is getting a hold of that, he's coming. And when he comes, it will be literal. It will be Jesus Christ himself. It's not going to be some spiritual thing. We're not just going to be going along and all of a sudden everybody gets spiritual and say, well, the, the Spirit of God has come. The Spirit of Jesus has come. And now we all have the Spirit of God and we're all okay. No, when Jesus comes again, he himself is coming. It will be the return physically, literally, of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will come. He's not going to send a representative. He's not going to send an angel. He's not going to send someone else. But Christ Jesus is going to come for his church, his bride, his people, his, his building that he has been building in the body of Christ. He's coming for his people as he comes. And we need to understand that and realize that as we look together. We need to believe that. You know, we read it, and I know we say in our hearts as Christians, we believe in the second coming of Christ, but I wonder how many of us really live in such a fashion that gives the demonstration that we believe he's coming again. See, that ought to help us to live in victory. That ought to help us to live in, in the wonder and the reality that we have a Savior who has come to give us life and life everlasting and life abundantly. And this Savior so loves us that He's coming again and He's going to take us to be where He is in a place that He's prepared for us that we might be with Him forever and ever and ever. What a great anticipation. What a great joy. We ought to be excited about the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again. Rather than getting bored with the idea, rather than being like the rest of the world and saying, well, he hasn't come yet. He's not going to come. It's no big deal. We don't even need to think about it anymore. We ought to think about it every single day. You know, we've all heard that saying, he's too earthly, he's too heavenly minded to be of any earthly good. I want to tell you something. That's not possible. We can't be too heavenly minded. The Bible says to take your minds off of the earth. Do not dwell on these things that are on the earth, but lift up your minds, your thoughts, and think on heavenly things. Think on the things of God. Think on the things that God wants to be a part of our lives and be a part of our heart. And part of that is his return, his coming again. He is coming, folks. And you and I need to accept that, believe that, and trust that to be true. We don't ever have to doubt it. We don't have to argue with anybody. They can say he's not coming. They can say, I don't believe in that. They can say all they want to say. It's all right for them to be wrong. The Bible says he's coming. And if the Bible says he's coming, and he's already demonstrated by the first coming that he, he fulfills what he says he will do in being a part of that time, he's fulfilled every one of the prophecies that are there, then he's going to continue to fulfill those prophecies. We need to believe today. We need to understand today. Without any question, without any reservation, our God, our Savior, our King is coming again. And we ought to rejoice in that reality. We ought to know in the power of that, no matter how evil this world is, no matter how much it may go astray, no matter what's going on in this world around us today, we know that there's coming an end to that kind of lifestyle, there's coming an end to that way of life, and Jesus Christ is coming, and all things will be made the way they are supposed to be according to what God had planned in the beginning. And we need to be aware of that. And so behold, John said, behold. Think, get your attention. Think about it. He's coming. Folks, he's coming again. I want you to know that this morning. Whether you believe it or not, I don't care. He's coming. And one day you'll realize that to be true because the word of God has said Jesus Christ is coming again. But the Bible says not only that, when he comes, the scripture that we read a moment ago says every eye will see him. Folks, you know, there have been all kinds of people in our lifetimes and before, and there will be many more if Christ delays his return, many more that will come that said, I'm the Christ. 
Jesus told us about that. He said, there will be many who will come in my name say, saying that they are the Christ, that they are the ones who are there. And we've seen it all the time. We've seen all kinds of cult leaders. We've seen all kinds of people that have dis- persuaded people to follow them, believing that they are the return of Christ and being a part of it. But the Bible says when Jesus Christ does come, every eye will see him. Not just a cult group, not just a small gathering of people, but every eye will see him. There will be no question of the reality that it's Jesus Christ and that he is coming again because all eyes will see him. All those, it says, even those who pierced him. I believe he's talking about the fact even those who have died before his coming and being a part of it, those who pierced him on the cross, those who destroyed him, those of us who pierce him day day in and day out by our remarks, by our attitudes, by our lifestyle, all people will see him. Every person, whether rich or poor, every person, whether a king or a slave, every person, whether educated or uneducated, every person, whether an agnostic or an atheist or some kind of religious person, whatever they are, every eye will see him. From every ethnic group, from every place in all the world, everyone will see him. When he returns, all eyes will see the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that exciting? There's not going to be any doubt. I don't know how it's going to happen. The world's round. I don't know how it can be one side and the other side not see what's going on. We don't know that. But I know when he comes, every eye is going to see him. Not even going to be any question. Not going to be any doubt. The whole world will know that the true Christ, the living Christ, the Christ who died and rose from the dead, the reigning Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, it is he who comes in the clouds. It is he who comes in his glory. It is he that is coming. And you and I as his church, as his people, need to be aware of that, need to be excited about that, need to be loving that truth and that idea. And it also ought to be a motivation to us to be able to try to help other people to see that reality so that they don't miss it because the Bible goes on to say behold he's coming and every eye is going to see him but then the hard part of the verse comes up when he says and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him you'd think that if the king of kings the lord of lords you'd think that if the creator of the universe the God of all majesty were to come, there'd be a, a universal celebration, a rejoicing that the God has come, that the King has come, but the Bible teaches that's not going to be true. The Bible tells us that when Jesus Christ comes again, there's going to be a great mourning that's going to be going on among all the tribes of people, among all the peoples of the earth. Why? Because when Jesus Christ comes, there will be no more chances for those without Christ to step into glory, but rather into condemnation. When Christ comes, there will never again be the opportunity to repent and be right with God, and they'll mourn. When Christ comes, they'll mourn because they'll realize how foolish they were to come up with all kinds of cultic practices, all kinds of spiritism, all kinds of religious things, all kinds of excuses not to put their faith in the one and only true God, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior. And they will mourn their foolishness. And they will mourn the absolute lostness of their souls. And they will mourn the reality that now they stand fully, completely, and totally in condemnation and can never move beyond that condemnation. They will mourn, the Bible says, because they realize... When they had a chance, they blew it. They were more concerned about their own way of life, their own pride, their own selfishness, their own greed, their own principles, their own religions, that they denied the one and only Savior, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior. 
See, folks, no one is going to be right with God. No one's going to be in heaven that hasn't taken that step of repentance and said, I know that I am a sinner. And I know that I cannot save myself, no matter how good I am, no matter how religious I am, no matter how many churches I go to, no matter how many times I've been baptized, no matter how much scripture I know, no matter what all those kind of things, I know there is nothing that I can do that can bring me into a relationship with Jesus Christ. All that I can do is surrender to the reality that I am a sinner, I am lost, I am without hope, and I need a Savior. But then we can rejoice because we have one. We have one. We have a Savior who so loved us that He left the glory of heaven and He came and He placed Himself upon the cross and He died becoming my sin and your sin so that the wrath of God could be poured upon Him so that we could say now with Paul, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We never have to fear that condemnation. We never have to stand in the wonder of whether we'll pass the bar, whether we'll be good enough to get there because we won't be good enough, but we'll be covered in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and we'll stand in the presence of God forever and ever. But only those who have trusted him as Lord and Savior. Only those who personally have put their life in his life. See, nobody can do that for me. Nobody can do that for you. You have to do it yourself. And you have to make that confession before God and you have to invite Christ Jesus to come into your heart and bring salvation into your life. Or you'll be among these who mourn when he comes. They mourn because they know. They've known it all along. They just weren't willing to admit it. But now they know beyond any doubt. I had a chance. God loved me enough to invite me to be a part of his household, to be a part of his family, to be with him eternally. And I said, no. Oh, we say, I'll wait a while. I'm not quite ready. There'll be another time and another chance, but we don't know that. We hear every single day of someone who lost their life that didn't expect to. Something that happens when they couldn't do you have any control of. We don't know what our life holds. We don't know what the rest of the day holds. And right now, God is giving those who may not know Christ Jesus as Savior. Maybe you're one of them, or maybe someone watching by Facebook. Maybe you've never truly put your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You've heard about it. You've done all. You've gone to church. You've heard the things that go on, but you've never fully, truly put your personal faith in Christ Jesus. And He's telling you right now. Now's the time. What the scripture says, today's the day of salvation. This is the time to get right with me. Because there's going to be a day when Christ comes, and he is coming, folks, that the world will mourn because of the reality that they chose not to accept the King of kings and the Lord of lords as their Savior when they heard the And the word that it says here is a word that the, they will wail. It is a word that, that means a, a cry of deep, broken grief that comes out of them. I've been in the place, and maybe me, many of you have as well, when I've had to tell someone of the sudden unexpected death of a loved one, when I've had to go into their presence and say to them, this person, your husband, your wife, your child, your mother, whomever it may be, has died. They've been killed in an accident or something has happened to them. And I've heard them scream from the very depths of their being, no, it can't be true. That's what it's talking about when Jesus comes again. That's what he's talking about. They will wail, they will mourn, they will grieve because they will understand it's over. There are no more second chances. There are no more pardons. There's nothing else to offer. It's done. Jesus Christ is coming again. And so what are you and I supposed to do in the meantime? Because I don't know when it's going to be. 
You don't know when it's going to be, but we know it's going to be. What we're supposed to do in the meantime is remember who we are and whose we are and to live accordingly day by day, to live in the recognition that we are the very children of God, to live in the recognition that God has called us by name and given us a new name, even as we sung a moment ago, a new name written down in glory. The Bible talks about a book of life. Our name, if we trust Christ as Jesus, as Lord and Savior, it's in that book. And the good news about that book is that book belongs to Jesus. Nothing can happen to that book. No one can use that book. No one can take a name out of that book. It's in God's hands. And we ought to rejoice in that confidence. And we ought to celebrate in that reality that our king is king. He is Lord. And he is coming again. And we ought to do everything that ought to motivate you and it ought to motivate me to do everything that we can to make sure that everyone that we know and everyone that we can pray for and everyone that we can have any effect on in any way whatsoever, that we do everything we can to make sure that they don't miss heaven. That they don't come to that moment when Christ comes again and they are among those who mourn and wail because they weren't prepared. They weren't ready. We rejoice every day that we're ready, that we know Christ, that he's our Savior, and we have that competent assurance. But folks, you and I both know people who aren't ready, who aren't prepared, who will be among those. They may not believe it. They may not accept it. They may deny it. But you see, the problem with truth is that it's truth whether you and I believe it or not. It's not based upon my opinion. It's not based upon my thoughts. It's not based upon the philosophies of mankind. It's not based upon religiosity. It's not based upon people who pass rules and laws or anything else. The truth is the truth, and God is truth. And we need to know him as personal Lord and Savior of our lives, and we need to live for him once we know him in such a way that other people see and understand. We do believe in him. And we do believe he's king and he's Lord and he is coming. And we live in the total confidence of that reality because he is victor. And in him, we also are victors because he won the battle for us. He did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And he will continue to do that in our lives now and forever as we look together for that. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, I know the reality of your coming and according to your word and the belief in my own heart, but that doesn't matter. It's because your word says it, that you're coming again. I don't know when. There is a sense in which that coming is an always constant reality as you prepare, as you move, as you're ready at that very moment when the time is right, just as it says in the book of Galatians in your first coming, at the very time that it was right, at the very exact moment that everything in history had come to the place that it was right, you came that first time. And it'll be that same kind of timing when you come again. And Father, I thank you that you have allowed me to understand my own sinfulness and to place my life in the hands of a Savior who died for me and to be redeemed by his love, covered by his blood, brought into his household. Father, I thank you for that. I thank you for those who are here, those who are listening in, who know for sure, without any question, that they have put their life personally and completely into the hands of a living God and trusted you as Savior and Lord.
of their life. But God, I pray for those who may be here, those who may be listening, those that we know in our families, those that are our friends, those people that we work with, go to school with, whatever it may be. Father, for those who've never really truly put their faith in Christ, who assumed it didn't matter, or they had plenty of time to do it some other time, I pray, Father, somehow that your convicting Holy Spirit would make them aware that they need to get their hearts right right now. They need to trust the Lord in Christ Jesus as Savior and Lord of their life. Father, I pray that you would help us to get a broken heart for a lost world, that, that reality that when you come again, all that mourning and all that wailing, God, how much I don't want people to be a part of that group rather to step from that group to be in that group that's rejoicing, singing your praises and glorifying you because they are of the family of God. Father, give us that burden. Father, I pray this morning that as we come to this invitation time, it's your invitation. This church has nothing to offer anybody. I have nothing to offer anybody. You're the only one that can offer anyone anything, and you offer the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. So if there's anyone here that's never put their faith fully and completely in the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, I pray this morning would be the time that they would do that and they would be willing and, and, and courageous enough to step forward before this congregation and say, I'm putting my faith in Christ. I trust Him as Savior and Lord of my life. You told us that we were to confess before men. I pray that you'd help us do that. Father, there may be some here in this church that go to church here and go to church there, come occasionally here and there, but they've never really allowed themselves to just say, this is my home, this is my church, this is my family. And they've made a commitment to be a part of this household and this family, this part of God's family, and to be a part of it not just in attendance and in part, but being a part of it in service and in ministry, activity, and being active in a part of what's going on. And maybe they need to come and make that kind of a decision. Father, some of us live as though we don't believe that you're coming again or that it doesn't matter. And I pray that you'd forgive us first of all and then that you would put within our hearts a joyful note of victory, a ringing reality that you are our king and you are coming for us. And let us rejoice in that. Whatever our needs may be this morning, you know. You know every heart here, every mind, every life. I pray, Father, right now that as you speak to each of us individually and to all of us collectively during this invitation, that we will respond in whatever manner you would have us to do. And I pray that in Christ's name.